Dunkin' has a whole new line of handcrafted signature lattes. Blueberry Crisp, Caramel Craze, and Coco Mocha. They're so delicious, you'll realize that you've been spending a whole latte time drinking the wrong coffee. So even though you've been together for years, it's time to say goodbye to your ex. Coffee Place. Because you've got a latte love for Dunkin' Signature Lattes. Sipping is believing with Dunkin's new handcrafted signature lattes, like Blueberry Crisp, Caramel Craze, or Coco Mocha. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. This is Vinny Beetle, and welcome to the first episode of the Scumtown Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Rodney Normans. What's up, Rodney? Hello. Uh, I'm doing a wonderland. Rodney, why don't, you, why don't you tell some of the, the listeners here um, exactly who you are and, and what it is you do? Well, I am a, a stand-up comedian, and uh, I usually just keep to myself. I do my nice little private gigs mostly. Occasionally, I do clubs. And uh, somehow or another, I got roped into the Vinnie Beetle storm <laughs> so about Rodney, a year ago. You're a comedian. Yeah, you've been doing it for over 20 years. Yep. You, you come from the Utah region, Connecticut region, as far as your home bases of the stand-up comedy world. Yep. Mostly known as a clean comedian, they would say. Yes. And uh, you thought it. God fearing comedian. And back uh, a couple of years ago, we uh, took a trip to Tennessee on what you thought would be a complete and total disaster. And you wanted to witness it. Yes. And so you you've seen some original scumbag Vinny tendency type behaviors before yes. I started working with celebrities and that kind of thing. I started close and personal. And you even got roped in financially as well. You've helped <laughs> me fund a lot of the stuff we have going on. And that was a lot of what I wanted to talk about today, too, was you know scumbag Vinny in a third person who is this guy where he came from and uh what it pertains to my real life and how close it is and I will tell you this Rodney uh, I do appreciate everything you've done to help get me to the bottom of the entertainment <laughs> world uh I think that's cool really quick uh, I wanted to shout out our show sponsor it's an Instagram page called Honda Hoarders and they buy and sell uh Honda equipment and the reason that they're sponsoring the show today is because my good friend Vinny Staffa lent me weed in high school that I never paid him for. So definitely go check out his page, uh, <laughs> throw him a follow, and hopefully, uh, I mean, we're still trying to clear up debts from 10 years ago, Rod. So thank you for joining me here today. Um, all right. So we have been working together for quite some time. We've even done some podcasts that are probably hidden in the podcast world that nobody's really heard or <laughs> even seen but yes, there's where they were the two and three hours long yeah where we would just sit and kind of chat about things well it was it was pretty much you would chat and we just sit there and go uh-huh. <laughs> that's interesting right really? normal uh <laughs> schizophrenic narcissistic type thoughts and behaviors yeah. rodney i wanted to start off by asking you what your thoughts are on listening to the come town podcast the episode scumbag Vinny. You've known me for some time. You hear this episode. We haven't talked for a little bit. What are you thinking? I think it was a, a great effort on your part to finally grasp reality, <laughs> to finally come to terms with how the rest of the world sees you, <laughs> and embrace it. For it, it was a, it, it was a lot of fun listening to you. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. I, uh, I I had this huge boost of, you know, of course, I did the, the Come Town podcast with Bam when I was promoting his tour. And uh, I had this, this, I was voted the worst guest ever on YouTube. And I have all these people hating me. And then after the Scumbag Vinny episode, I had a brief period of about eight hours where I was like king of the mountain. <laughs> and of course, as you know, I usually do, I started to gloat about it a little too much to the people of the Reddit community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, now they've turned on me at principle. I don't know if they have some other website that they all converse on that I don't see <laughs> that they say, look, we can't show this guy love no more. But pretty much, yeah, I find Fucked up my fame within eight hours. But no, some of them still do respect and love me. How much do you know about the Reddit world? Uh, I am aware of it. <laughs> uh, my daughter has tried to explain it to me. I've actually gone on there a couple times. I think I have a Reddit account. You might you might be one of the guys that's saying he's going to kill I'm, me. I have no idea how it's posted. Well, I'll teach you some things about it. But basically, it's this internet website where people can talk about whatever they want. 
no holds barred, and nobody uses their real name. All these names are some screen name like an Xbox Live. It's basically, if you've ever heard of Xbox Live, you could talk shit to random people with no consequences. That's pretty much what Reddit is. Right, but which there's, is, which is uh, really helping things out. <laughs> but there's this huge subreddit community from Cometown fans that when I started on the there, there was only about 25,000 people. And since my episode, there's almost 39,000 people that are on this Come Town subreddit. And I truly believe my episode spiked <laughs> almost a double of their group because so many people wanted to go on there and talk shit about me, you know, or at least read about it. And of course, I'm self-centered, so I'm going to take credit for any boost in anything that I'm involved in. As you should. Yeah. <laughs> but so I'm, I'm reading on this website and uh, I make my own account and the name is Vin Beetle. And I, I, I'm now being told that I'm the only one that uses his real name on Reddit. <laughs> so that's something that I thought was a pretty cool accomplishment. Um, but what else has been going on with you lately, man? We haven't talked in a few months. What's going on? Oh, uh, well, my career is going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a lonely, bitter old man, and uh, I'm enjoying it. No, um, no I've been uh, picking up shows here and there. Yeah, I see that. Fun. That's good. That's good. Well, hopefully we I've, can... Uh, I've, 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 come to, I've come to terms with the fact that this is probably never going to go anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just sitting back and <laughs> You're when a good man. on stage, I have fun, and when I'm not on stage, I... I sit and uh, mull over why I'm not famous, and then I remind myself that I've never really actually done anything to try to become famous, except tell jokes to strangers. Well, look, I mean, if anything, so. 20 years of doing it right led you to a kitchen in Connecticut with a guy who skipped a bunch of chapters. You know? yes. So yes. somehow our universe is intertwined. <laughs> And here we are. A lot of people are going to probably call you the most retarded human being in the world for just sitting in a room with me. But I think that what you're doing is probably one of those situations where if I end up dying before the age of 35, you're the guy that witnessed it all and can make the documentary to make your millions. So I think that's a pretty cool safety net considering I'm probably not going to last very much longer, especially with the pace that I'm going. At this point, I'll take what I can do. So I talked to the guys over at Cometown, and I tried to get back on for a third episode because I'm going to be going on a strict legal probation soon. Right. Uh, a legal probation that had to do with a wink-wink weed case that we was we were talking about on the Cometown podcast. And so I don't know what my restrictions are going to be just yet. So I said, okay, I'm going to start my own radio show, and I know that you'll come out and talk, and we'll get some other guests and whatnot. But I talked to these guys at Cometown about possibly doing something else down the road, and they're thinking about maybe even doing a true crime documentary about me <laughs> if something <laughs> were to come about. Oh, dear. That way. A lot of the people that are listening to this right away are going to want to know why aren't you talking about BAM already. I'll give you guys a little bit of a BAM update. Uh, I've been discussing some stuff with BAM today. He is doing an interview with Spin Magazine. Uh, where supposedly he's going to be talking shit about me. He said it's in a fun way. I don't really know what to get out of Bam because one text message, he wants to make a movie with me, and the next he's showing me his dick, you know, so I really don't Mm -hmm. know. But you've had some experience with Bam with me, (laughs) and I wanted you to tell everybody kind of a 30-second gist of what it was like to be around me and Bam at the same time. Uh, well, Bam is very, uh, shall we say, unpredictable, <laughs> um, and you cannot, what, whatever you think a normal person would react to whatever it was that you were doing, he is not going to react that way, and so it's rather odd. Yeah, um, take some It's very to. entertaining, oh, yeah. I will say this, but it's very odd, and... Uh, the one thing that I really liked about Bam is how much respect he showed for you, just being... An elder, you know, elderly guy, and we'll say it because I'm 28 and you're not, you know, and like he sees a show, but he probably didn't expect me to show up with a guy, a middle aged guy. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, you know what I mean? So yeah. when he's seen you, he could have been like, who the fuck are you? Or he could have just treated you differently. And it seemed like he just showed you more respect than any of us. That's how I felt anyway. Oh, no, he was very, very nice to me, very kind. I mean, he let me drive his wife and his child in his Land Rover. For the first, uh, within the first hour within of meeting him. Within the first hour of meeting him, he just handed me the keys and said, here, can you take him to this thing? And I'm like, uh, sure. Okay. Well, so the story behind that is actually Bam came up to me and, and, you know, I was excited to be around him. Of course, uh, I was the same kid you guys read about that was cheering on the fact that he ripped up and peed on my money. And, you know, when I'm hanging out with him at his house and he comes up to me and he says, hey, uh, do you want to go see my nephew's 
play at school. It's a concert, and Jesse, my brother from CKY, is playing the drums, and it's going to be awesome, and Phil and April are going to be there. Do you want to go? And I looked at him, and I said, of course. Like, I'm not going to be rude and yeah, say, sure. no, I don't want to go to some shitty little kid's school play. And when you <laughs> think that Bam's going to look at you and be like, all right, let's go, he's like, cool, you can go, and I'm going to stay here and edit my movie. And that was the first real BAM experience that yes, I had. Yes, we got, uh, got moved in to go into a family. And yeah, and you can tell that his okay. wife, Nikki, even though she's a very nice lady and she hates me for about 65% of the time, you could tell she just had a tough time finding people to trust. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, BAM yeah. handed the kid to me and they could tell I had, you know, I have niece and nephews. I have a, you know, a stepdaughter at home. I have you know, experience with children. And to me, it just felt like, you know, that they just have a hard time trusting anybody. When they find some normal people, they take advantage of that because they're normally not around normal people. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, here's a person who isn't going to be crazy. Well, and then, but here, well, let's get real and let's get down. Yeah, and let's get down to it. You know, here comes this dude that is me. I'm a nice kid. Of course, I'm not going to harm anybody or anything, but I do have my motives. And the thing about the scumbag Vinny character is I came out flat the first day and told them, look, you're making this much money with Live Nation. You can make this much money with me, and I can make a shit ton of money. Let's do this thing. And I yeah. felt like I was pretty upfront with the fact that I wanted to make money off of Bam Margera. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I might go about it in a way that's kind of nice and subtle, uh, where I'm not like, hey, man, you know, 20 grand's riding on this. But I could remember when they were canceling the New York City show at uh, Westside Comedy Club, which Bam just talked about on the Rip Ride podcast. Uh, and he talked about it being Jack's fault, finally, and that he punched Jack in the face. And he came out and said that publicly just a few yeah. days ago. Um, I just remember that night sweating out $10,000, you know, yeah. because I knew that that was my cut. I'd already paid him, and I knew that that was my cut, you right. know. And they didn't screw me, man. Phil, I drove out to Pennsylvania, and, and Phil Margera in April, they gave me about $2,800 to cover the expenses that Bam fucked up that day. And so that's when I knew that they weren't like any other celebrity I worked with and that they just they wanted to work and they had encouraged me to just postpone and postpone was all we were going to do. And we were going to pick this thing back up. Let's fast forward just a little bit to uh, I, Bam coming out of rehab and posting on Instagram. I don't know how much you've heard about this, that I took his fans money and went to Disney World. <laughs> Have you heard anything about okay, this? Uh, just so we clarify, I, I don't think people realize. I, I, I think you've kind of talked about the whole Disneyland thing. But to be honest with you, if if there was anybody who funded your Disneyland <laughs> thing, it was me. <laughs> I get this thing. Hey, uh, hey, Rodney. Hey, uh, so we're good because you guys were going anyway. Yes, I mean, you, the trip had. Was already paid for. Right. I mean, and if we, you didn't go, you were going to lose. Right. Because we were going to do a show with Bam. In Florida. Jack. Right. It's his manager's birthday and my birthday. And Jack's right. from Orlando. So we had paid for this house and we had paid for this stuff. And once Bam went to rehab and it all went to shit, uh, we had opportunities to look at clubs and different property down there to get into some business, me and Jessica. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to blow the whole trip because they had fucked it up. So you helped me get down there, which we didn't. Bam, at this point, really believes that I took my cut from the shows <laughs> and went to Disney World. But this was back in April when we went, and you just barely helped us get there. We sat in on a timeshare to get free Disney tickets. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a vacation. I mean, it was and it wasn't. It was half vacation, half struggling, you know. Yeah. But we did it because we wanted to get away for a little while. And uh, I knew that in the horizon, like, I'm the type of person that you could kick me down, burn me to ashes, and I'll rise like a phoenix and make money doing something. So I just needed that unwind time with my family to just realize that I've been putting uh, a little girl and my girl, my my wife through hell for the past few years to try to chase something that might not be there, you know? Yeah. And uh, I've done a lot of not so great things in this business, but you kind of get blinded as a young dude when you do shows that you see, that's another thing people don't realize is I've done this for 10 years. I've had 10 years worth of comedy shows work. You know, we've had a yeah. lot of successful comedy shows that have turned a profit. So you start to think this is going to be how it is forever. And that if you meet somebody, the next guy you meet, it's going to be even better. Oh, the one, one thing's going to lead to one, one thing's going to lead to another. It's going to get sure, better. Sure, Bam's in rehab now, but he's going to get out. I'll make 20 grand next month. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's what you think is going to happen. Yeah. What really happens yeah. is you go into a six-month depression <laughs> where you put on 25 pounds and you're getting texts from Bam every day that if I just stay loyal, my life will change, even though he's just trying to hang on to me because I'm the last person that will entertain anything other than him being locked in a padded room coming off of whatever the fuck it is that he's doing, <laughs> which, in my knowledge, is is exactly what he talks about on the Rip Ride podcast, which you haven't listened to, but basically he says that he just sips on beers once in a while. I've never seen Bam rage drink, but I have seen him sip on beers, and when you mix that with other toxins that aren't beer, it can escalate the situation yes. to something as like we, we As we have... Have had firsthand experience. Of course, of yeah. course. Which we love them for, man. Those are experiences what, we'll have forever. Yeah, that's yeah. You know who we we're gonna they're gonna be comedians at the end of the day that are like you know one time I seen Seinfeld walk into Gotham Comedy Club and you know, I seen him walk right in and I'm gonna say yeah one time I seen Bam piss on a <laughs> bum in New York City and then he came over. The funniest thing about Bam in New York City that I can tell. Uh, was on the way to the show, we had parked a few blocks down from the club and had to walk. And on the way, Bam wanted to smoke a cigarette, and he asked me for a lighter, and immediately he took the lighter from me and he smashed it. And he broke it, and he was zang like a child. So I, I give him one of Elazar's lighters, and he smashes it. And then we're like, what the hell? you know? So Jack, being his manager, he tells Jack to go in the smoke shop in New York and go get him a lighter. Jack buys like $20 worth of lighters because he doesn't, it's like six or seven lighters because if he breaks it, he's got another yeah. one. Bam broke every single lighter in the street. There were old ladies walking by. He's smashing these lighters. Now I know he's doing it to just waste Jack's money. Now he knows right. Jack is doing this. So Jack goes to get an indestructible torch mini lighter that yeah. has metal. I mean, he, it was $40. Now he's like 60 deep into lighters. <laughs> and he gives it to Bam. And Bam, touchdown, spikes it right on the pavement. And it cracks in half. And it makes a big pop sound. And Jack just goes, oh, well, there goes that gift. You know? And I was just like, this guy is nuts. Nuts. Wow. We're driving into New York City. And he's flipping off just every car on the highway, Bam. Just got half his body out. Knocking on windows and telling people to fuck off. I mean, really just had it out for the world that day. I thought he had it out for death. I feel like if me, Elazar, Jack, and Bam all died in that car on the way to New York, Bam probably would have somehow been happier leaving this earth than he was. You know, he's a sick person like that. Yeah, he's 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 got But at the same time, but at the same time, he methodically plans everything he does to go the way it is. And I'll explain this just a little bit, Rod. This dude texts me and says, What's TMZ's phone number one day? And I said, Bam, what are you talking about? I don't know anybody at TMZ. He goes, What find their number? I said, if you want to talk to TMZ, just go do something stupid. <laughs> That's what I said to him. Yeah. That day he gets kicked off of Southwest Airline. And this dude was sending me all kinds of pictures and videos that weren't on his Instagram. And I think he was testing me to see if I would sell them or not. Yeah. Or, you know. And I didn't, but I know how he got kicked off the plane. He's just acting stupid, just throwing vodka on a lady next to him and filming it and sending it to me. Not, not a lot of people seen that video. You know, yeah. You know, but like then, you know, it was really encouraging me for months to lean into the scumbag Vinny character, which, look, it's not really a character. Those stories are true. <laughs> I did sell fake fish tickets at the age of 15. I did sell people cars that I know were going to blow up in two days. Yeah. You know, I did. Really, if you want to talk about it, I've talked people to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into me in this comedy journey because I believe that that's what it takes. I believe that's what it takes. I know that there are people out there who grind, and I know there are people who make it because they're purely the funniest people in the world. But I didn't really care about being the best comedian. I just wanted to be somebody people knew about, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what I always wanted. And that's still what I want, even if they hate me. I'm kind of cool with it. Well, I've got, I've got a, my, I, I, I got to tell my illustration story about Vinnie Beetle. Go ahead. Are you ready for this? Yes. <clears throat> so I started. I, I agreed to go with you on the trip to Tennessee, and I started filming the whole thing. And this was 2017. Docu- yeah, I started documenting. Summer of 17. I started documenting the whole experience for the sole purpose of 
I knew this thing was going to be a disaster. When you explained the whole concept to me, I was like, this sounds horrible. I don't think in your wildest dreams so you've seen it going to the level I, it I want to. I want to watch this yeah, firsthand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to document this thing. So I started filming the whole thing. You know, I've got cameras. i got lights. i got you know, I got everything. So I go. I go, and I, I film this whole thing. And, of course, it's a debacle, and, but we have fun. And uh, when we come back, this is this is the thing that was funny to me. And I don't even know if you remember you were trying to do this, but I just kept, okay, you kept trying to get, you wanted to do, you, you saw what I was doing. You wanted me to continue to film and to turn this into a TV series, yeah. you know, in a reality show. Right. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. And then you wanted me to invest $2,000 into the project. And I kept asking you, well, for what? And you would never tell me. You said, well, I just want to make sure you get paid. And I'm going, okay, the, okay. so what you're telling me is you want me to give you $2,000 to invest in a project that I'm already doing. I'm already filming it. And you wanted to keep hiring some dude to edit the stuff. I'm going... I'm an editor. I do the editing. I, I do everything. And you kept trying to get me to give you money so you could turn around and pay me to film something I was already filming. And I could not. I just. The I just. The used for these things were for the sole purpose to make the content happen. Like to me, the idea to go to Tennessee, a place that I just knew had a lot of people walking around, uh -huh. never had stand up comedy before. Right. And that we could go there with just a few hours, talk a bunch of people into a room, film it. I kind of knew financially it wasn't going to make the ends that it needed to. But the content itself, that video itself could be worth endless amounts of money. So right. I would say to myself, well, if we're struggling, so the show's right away, we're a fail. So I say to myself, well, if Rodney is dedicated to seeing this blow up as it is, maybe he'd be interested in prolonging the fuck up that we're doing to create more <laughs> content for what we're trying to do. Like, as it is right now, you probably have how many hours worth of footage from Tennessee? Um, probably about 35 hours. Okay. So I am now partnered with a media company called Great Sauce Media, and they mm -hmm. handle some people like uh, Bagel Boss Guy, and they work with uh, a bunch of internet comedians. They've worked with Josh Wolf. They've worked with Martin Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they monetize, you know, content, video right. content. They, You know, Bagel Boss isn't making a ton of money with that right now because you can't monetize the fights and the outbursts he has in public. There's, like, Facebook rules and laws against it. But they're so desperate to work with me for the simple fact that I have hundreds of hours of footage <laughs> over the last 10 years of doing stupid shit like this, yeah. you know, shit that at the time I thought was going to make my big break. But really I always had a vision of filming it, editing it, chopping it up and putting it out there to the world. Now all these guys are saying is look, give us the footage. We'll chop it up. We'll do it. We'll monetize it to pages that already have millions of people mm -hmm. and we'll pay you, you know, a percentage for whatever is monetized on it. And then we don't have to spend uh, 60 hours turning you into a madman scientist chopping right. through 35 hours of footage. And that's another thing I didn't want to. I didn't want you editing it mainly because I loved what you were doing with me in the street in Tennessee where uh, we were just going up to random store owners and doing skits. I just felt like your value was so much more on the front lines than it was spending days on end editing this shit, which after a year and a half, we still haven't edited, you know? So at the time, I remember, like, our show's not working out. We knew we weren't going to make any ticket money whatsoever or the little bit Elazar made, we were letting them keep. So I was like, well, how are we going to survive here another nine days, you know? And we pulled it off, you know, we did. Uh, and we have the footage, so hopefully these guys will take it. Chop it up, and the world can yeah. see some of it, you know, and some good could come. It was a, it was a fun little project. It was, and uh, and 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 to be honest, we're going back again one day, you know. Like they, <laughs> we are. The lady loves us that owns the house that we use. That's what another people don't know is we had a house that you know slept thirteen people and had a jacuzzi and kind of had a real world vibe to it. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And that's that's another thing that I liked about it as opposed to. If we had gone to like New York or Atlantic City and we're all staying in different hotel rooms where the filming is kind of like, ah, you know, we got to see that Sean Robinson didn't go to bed ever. You know, we got to that see shit weird. like that. Yeah, yeah. Like we got to see that um, 
Elazar snored. You know, we got to see that uh, Gary eats, you know, Gary Garcia eats snacks like a 75-year-old man. He just wants like a coffee cake at night. This guy's like a Puerto Rican, you know, yeah. drug dealer out of New York. You know what I mean? Turned comedian, ex-rapper, musician, like not even blowing up his spot, just like to describe who he is as a human being. Um but yeah, man, Tennessee was fun, and you know, you certainly painted the picture. That was my motive at the time. But you know what? I truly believe it, and 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 people are gonna say I'm crazy. But the close to a hundred thousand dollars that I've lost in this business already, I don't look at it as lost. You know, I think all those experiences, talking about that shit little by little on the show, building a following, having people buy T-shirts at thevinniebeetleshow.com. <laughs> Those are going to be the things that we value later on that are going to make us the money back, you know, and, and yeah. um, so, you know, and it led me to working with some pretty infamous people after that. I mean, literally, if you hadn't helped us with that project, we might not have gone on to do other things. You know, literally the conversation that me and you had in Tennessee at that table led to me opening Nomad's Comedy Club and working with TJ Miller within just a few days, you know. Yeah. Um, and nomads was a special thing, you know, and I think that what we built there in a short period of time, had we owned the building, you know, would have been a great thing, you know, yeah, if we had more control. Over yeah. Control you know, like they're, they're doing right shows there. there. I know you're doing a show there. And so they're not opposed to doing comedy there. Yeah. I think they just didn't like the lack of inconsistency that came from the big name acts that I was paying for and trying to bring in. But I can't, that's what the whole point of this being the Vinnie Beatles show now is is that at least I'll show up, you know? And so I could always say, you know, these people have been here. Rodney Norman's been here. You know, uh, this guy's been here. That guy's been here. And then people will trust, oh, it's going to be a good show. Let's go check it out, you know? Mm -hmm. So beforehand where I was putting all my eggs in other people's baskets, other things' baskets, the truth is if I we had paid $800 to rent the Dick's uh, Last Resort in Gatlinburg, Tennessee to do shows for just two nights – they wanted to charge us another three grand. So that's really like, yeah, you know, and then I'm like, well, how am I going to come up with that right now? And then, but I wanted the eight days at that place. I didn't know we were lying ahead to travel and see meet great people and see other shows in Knoxville. And you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I, I didn't oh, kind of we, we foresee that. Uh, dude, I just remember waking up at 9am every day as you were going to the gym and and just looking at the other comedians and saying, I brought all these people out here. I got to get out and make something happen. And I don't think anybody ever ran around that city like I did, you know, for oh, eight really days straight yeah. trying to hustle and make it happen. So I don't think the problem with me has ever been the effort with the hard work. It's just having ridiculously stupid ideas, uh, demanding thousands of dollars to have them happen. <laughs> uh, and also funding trips to Disney World. And apparently, you've heard it here first, folks. It's Rodney that made it happen. So hopefully we can talk Rodney into one of those uh, bring Beetle back to Disney T-shirts, yeah, and and he could he could support that way. So I wanted to ask you a couple things. Uh, one, I was on Come Town the uh, podcast, and they talked a lot about Jeffrey Epstein. Do you know a lot about this character? Uh, yes. What yes. do you know about he's a Horrible, horrible monster. Horrible human being. <laughs> well, I mean, basically he's. You know, everybody's like, well, what is it? How did he make his money? I, it was pretty clear how he made his money. He got uh, teenage girls to go to an island and have millionaire billionaires uh, come and hang out with them. Oh, yeah, and they were doing a lot more than hanging out. Yes. I know your Mormon I mean, mind doesn't want to bring you to that place, but I, I, you know, they were doing a lot more than that, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's horrifying what he was doing. But it's – and that's at the wealthy level. I mean, this this sort of sex trafficking. It's a horrific problem. It's going on all over the place. It's hard to imagine that when you have a somewhat normal life. I mean, you think about think about this. There are more people currently involved as slaves, as sex slaves, right now in the United States than were ever actually enslaved under the slavery. Is that true? Yes. There are so it, it is it is a mind boggling issue. That's disgusting. Right and hopefully this Epstein, people are starting to, you know, right, that opening, LA, opening, well, opening hey, their mind, let's their hope he was the McDonald's the of it all, and that shuts down a lot yeah. of it, or at least, uh, you know, how the guy who's the mastermind, you know, if he's not around, other people start to slip up, you know what I mean? We might be able to uncover some, some new things, but a lot of the people's question was about his death. And if you if you believe whether or not that he actually committed suicide, I do not believe for one second. I seen a picture of his inmate is 
they, they put him purposely with some jack dude who was in there for like robbing a bank. Yeah. So of course he's gonna hate sex traffickers, and I supposedly he like beat the shit out of him and stabbed him and everything. Well, there were I mean there were so many wealthy people who were looking to go down because of his testimony specifically. Well, Cumtown's got this huge thing yeah. against the Clintons. And they think like, yeah, Bill Clinton I, has been to the island, and oh, he has. It's been documented. He's been really. Over, he's been like twenty-seven times. He's been really. Yeah. You know what sucks is I really like Bill Clinton, and okay. honestly, what sucks about me as a person, and probably what <laughs> makes me a scumbag, is that I don't look at him any differently than I did as the kid president who was on The Simpsons and was cool. Like he was the like he they showed him as a party guy when I was growing up. Like this is the party. Well, I mean, that was that was really the key to his success was he really wasn't all that political. He wasn't cons- he really didn't care what he was. Wasn't doing he the governor of like president. Georgia or some shit he like was, that? Um, Arkansas. Arkansas, Arkansas right? I think he got he got in when he was in his twenties. He was like one of the youngest governors ever. ever. And I mean, he was playing. I mean, this is one of those dudes who was planning on being president from the moment he was, right. you know, a sperm. I he mean, might have had just, some dirt on somebody back then to get him in. Like, he might oh, have just I'm been sure. playing a shit oh, the this stories, whole time. The stories of the Clintons go all the way back yeah. to Arkansas. You know what I find really funny? I was watching George W. Bush on Jimmy Kimmel. It was an old clip of him on the Jimmy Kimmel show and how much fun he was having compared to how much everybody hated him in this country when oh, he was yeah. the president. I was just so surprised that he's enjoying retirement. And I wonder if we're going to see that times a million from Trump. Like, when Trump's not president... Is this guy just going to be the biggest celebrity in Hollywood still? You know, like he's not going to fade well, off. He was already, he was already big. To be yeah, honest. huge, I mean, huge. He was already, you know, I mean, he was already a household name yeah. before he even got in. But It's pretty crazy, man. But this Epstein guy, I mean, Trump's really openly like, look, I'll grab a pussy, but I did not have anything to do with the island. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is people talk about, oh, well, what's the difference? Well, first of all, Trump was only grabbing, as you say, the pussy (laughs) of women who, and and his point was when he was in the conversation was that the women wanted it. Yeah. He didn't just go up and grab anybody. Right. He wasn't Louis C.K. It was specific women who were falling all over him that wanted it. And he was saying that he was saying that they were so caught up in his celebrity <laughs> that they would let him do it because they wanted him to. That's what he was saying. This is a part of the conversation that people keep screwing up. He wasn't just randomly going around grabbing people's... I mean, let's just look at it. He was kind of a scumbag, you know? Well, he's, he's a, a... Scumbag he's truly, Trump. Look, if you have an enormous amount of fame and you have an enormous amount of power and an enormous amount of money, women will throw themselves at you. Correct. I mean, look at Tiger Woods. I mean, everybody's like, oh, how could he do this? Yeah, a billion he's, dollars. He's having some of the most beautiful women in the world constantly throwing themselves at him. Yeah. How would you not fall? How would you not do this? Especially when he has no yeah. alcohol consumption, no drug consumption. His, his, <laughs> he, and sex is his addiction. You know, it, it yeah. really became his addiction, Tiger. Yeah. Because I, he was so into golf that you had to really be addicted to golf to get that good. Which means you know he already has addictive tendencies, right? Yeah. I mean, here's the greatest golfer in the world, the oldest sport to ever exist. Yeah. It's a little ball farther than anybody, puts it in the hole, and, and puts it in the hole with women as well. I knew. But I even, knew. even big sports icons like Will Chamberlain, they've always been womanized. That guy claimed to have sex with like 10,000 women or something. Oh, yeah, because they're just well, – you know, I, I heard a story one time uh, at BYU. There was this uh, guy who played for BYU, black guy. Um, and he was still, so he got kicked out of BYU because he was having, you know, affairs with the young ladies. And he's like, you know, his, his story was like, look, I go to practice and when I come back and walk into my dorm room, I go in there and they've broken into his dorm room. And he goes, he walks into his bedroom and there is a blonde, blue eyed, beautiful woman, completely naked, willing and ready to do anything he wanted. And that this was a occurrence that was happening to him all the time. Women throwing himself, themselves at him all the time. And that was just on a college campus. You know? And he's like, how am I not? I'm only, you know, I'm just a, I'm, 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 I'm a man. It's a good problem and it's to have. Being, and it's being thrown at him all the time. 
And it happens. Women are, you know, everybody makes it seem like men are the only ones who are horn dogs. Women are even more sexualized now than ever before. Yeah, I, be- I believe I mean, it. It's, it's insane. Especially during their menstrual cycle, they get crazy. <laughs> they start going nuts, man. They start acting like cats and eat, you know. And yeah, when you're, uh, and they get around somebody who's powerful and famous. It's a wrap. Especially if yeah. they think they get, you know, some women out there are looking to have a baby by a millionaire, you know, do the whole 50 yeah. cent route, get a check that way. Yeah. You know. But I think, you know, with the Jeffrey Epstein thing, it just brings up the conversation of conspiracy theories. Because anytime something really big happens in the world, people want to talk about it being a conspiracy of some kind. So people are just conspiracy theorying this entire oh, Epstein yeah, yeah. thing. Like Epstein, you know. So Well, it plays it, it plays into those, those themes, the idea that, you know, people getting so wealthy that they feel like they can buy anything. And obviously they can't. And, and, you know, just playing a little bit more of the role of Scumbag Vinny, that's why I decided to make the the Scumbag Vinny Presents the Gay Sex Festival t-shirt starring Jeffrey Epstein. And it's going to be at Area 51. <laughs> and supposedly it's going to be the reunion of me and Bam and the Cumtown Boys are going to be there. And it's a lot of stuff going on. So we're still, we haven't locked in details if the event's really going to happen. But that's what I figured, like, and I've done that too, like, I'd done that when I was doing comedy shows. See, one of my biggest hustles in the comedy business, really before I met you truthfully, was just doing bringer type shows. You know, I was just giving a oh, lot of I young know. guys an opportunity. Well, you're, and, you're, 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 you, you, I've talked with many, and your, your trick is you always call me, hey, man, I got a show. I just need you to close it up for me. No, I no, you would say this is to a, you or I'm to other say, people. You would tell me and others, hey, I just need you to close it up for me. <laughs> and we're like, okay, so we're committed to do the show, and then we, and then like about a couple hours before, hey man, is, hey, uh, do you think you can bring a couple people with you? You know, I and think then, I you, think you're, I think, and I just I'm telling the truth. I think your experiences with me, and I have treated you differently. I think others, there are a lot of those guys. I would never say, can you close the show to? I do know that your comedic ability is there. I also knew that really like the only person you probably bring is the guy that used to help us carry the shit, you know, but as far as like some of the other guys, the one thing I am guilty of is that when I would put these guys on the show, instead of having a flyer with 10 names, nobody's ever fucking heard of. I just do one flyer with their name on it and nobody else's name. So when I give these guys the flyer, Rodney, they feel as though it's a big deal. It's a big deal to them. I never said they're headlining because most of them couldn't do five minutes to wipe the fucking shit off right. the bottom of the shoe. But that's what I would do because to me, I felt like they would feel this is my chance, you know, because look, when I first started, I bring out some people and when I made them laugh, it helped me. It maybe didn't help mm-hmm. my whole career, but it helped me take that next step, you know? Yeah. So I would say, okay, if these guys get their picture on the flyer and maybe they're not one of 12 names, maybe they'll promote this a little differently. And the reason people say that I would hit them up last minute, this is the truth. The reason that people say I would hit them up last minute to bring people, it is a true statement. But the reason I would do that is I never gave pressure for them to bring people. Like Pat Oates goes in the Connecticut comedy world, goes the way of saying you have to bring four people. This is a bringer. Comics Mohican well, Sun is not looking at you. You know, look, man, I know it. I've been around them since the beginning. They do that to cover their own ass so yeah. the club doesn't get calls from random idiots saying Pat Oates said I could headline the club. I owned my own club. I didn't yeah. have to say that. What I would do is make these kids feel special that they were doing something, which most of them weren't doing anything. So it wasn't like I was pulling some guy from BET Comic View and making them do this. Yeah. Out of New York, these are new, new comedians, guys who were a few years in. The reason I would do that is when I made that flyer, when they would post that flyer with their picture and their name on it that they were given a spot that night, Rodney, that would do more promotion in that than them asking their friends to come. Tickets would sell. So when they did that, a lot of these kids don't do nothing to promote comedy shows. People wonder why open mics and showcases and shows die out. Nobody puts in any work on that level to promote the show. So most of the time when most of these shows that I'm putting together – now, we're talking four or five shows in a week I would do in different locations yeah. that when I would put these shows together, a lot of them would bank on the fact that these guys would spread the word a little bit. They never had any requirements 
they had to try to bring some people. So when they would hit me up last minute and say, I'm coming by myself, if they were nobody to me, I would say that's not really an option. You got to bring somebody mm-hmm. because you got to contribute something. There are so many people and there are people who will agree with me on this, that there are so many people like myself that just take, take, take out of the comedy world, take money, right? I'm taking money from people's friends that come to shows. I'm taking money from comedians to help run my business. What am I giving back? I felt as though I was given the opportunity to perform on a fun show that wasn't like when I hosted these shows, man, every time somebody sucked, I brought the crowd right back up. So if you're on a most showcases, they die out. And by comic eight, people are starting their cars. I didn't really have that effect. I turned people's friends into my fans for 10 years. I did that. Mm -hmm. And I did it because it was a way to make a living doing comedy. And most people will say, oh, my God, I hate Vinny for doing that. Every house comic at every major club on the East Coast of the United States does that. You name me one comedian that doesn't run his own show that have people bringing other people. Name one of them. You're probably the only one. And it's because you've decided to go this route of I'm going to make a video and I don't care if two people are viewing it. But there are people and you make a living doing another job. Mm-hmm. But the guys who have to make a living doing this. They're going to do some things that they think are ethically the way it's always been done. There's no book on the comedy business. And I said, I don't like the way this is. I've tried it. Tried it for a lot of years. I'm going to try something else. And that's why I did it. That's where Scumbag Vinny comes into play. (laughs) Because I've done scumbag things before that are a lot worse. Have I talked to you about the time you had me do the Broadway Comedy Club? I actually remember that very vividly with your sons. Yeah, your sons came. To remember, okay, and you waited. Story. Here's and you didn't go story. up to like the end or something. Yeah, here's the story. So the show started. This turned at into Rodney's therapy nine. session with it Beatles. Started today. at nine, I think. Eleven. We started Friday at eleven. Friday at eleven. And the whole thing was is you had all these guys came up from Philadelphia. From other Philadelphia. comedians. Other comedians. They came up from Philadelphia, and you had them go first because they had to hurry and get on their train. Which is fine, I understand that. Uh, no problem. But here's 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 where it went south for me. <laughs> the last three comics was myself and uh, uh, what's his name? He's in New York now. Uh, young kid. Anyway. Yeah, uh, Andrew Manning. Andrew Manning, and then I forget who the third one was. I think mean, it was another older white guy from Connecticut. I forget who it was. Anyway, so the the three of us were closing the show out. Connecticut guys. Connecticut guys. Probably because I knew we could all make the same train home. Right, right. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I drove, so Uh, I mean, I could get everybody right home if we needed to, right? Which is fine. But here's what happened. This is where it went weird. Was the last Philadelphia fella finished up. They were all very funny. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. Uh, They were very funny, uh, very talented. Had a good time. Black dudes. Black dudes. They were all black dudes. And your when they were done, you said, "Hey, everybody, that's the completion of our urban part of our of our show. <laughs> oh, no. These guys gotta go. They're all from Philadelphia. They gotta go now." <laughs> but. We're now going to have three white guys from Connecticut come up here. Oh and at God. that very moment, loves. 90% of the crowd got up and walked out. And you said, so here comes our first comedian from Connecticut. Very funny guy. Please welcome Rodney Norman. It, took me, it took me two minutes. Two minutes to walk the 10 feet to get on stage. Because everybody was leaving. Because I had to wait for the entire crowd to leave. I couldn't. They won't stop and let me. And there were a lot of people there before you went on stage. (coughs) Yes. The place was packed. (laughs) I couldn't sit down anywhere because there was nowhere to sit. Dude. But I I mean, I was running around taking pictures. I was videotaping. So self-centered. And I just I sat I had to scumbag. stand there and wait for two minutes and you're sitting there looking at me like hey I'm going I can't I can't get up there. That's your scumbag mini story. Waiting for the and they all leave and then I get up there and literally it's just my two boys 
and like the, the comedians that were left. Yeah, comedians, the other two comics. And I was probably talking to the people in the hallway. And, yeah, you left to Jesus say goodbye Christ. to those guys. Oh it was my just a God. disaster. I was just like, okay, I'm never doing. It. And that was the last show. Never. I and then did. we started working together on a full time basis. I never basis. heard from you. I never heard again from you forever. I just. Uh, Oh my god. And then just I the don't blue. you wanna know how I remember it? Can I tell you how a narcissistic scumbag Vinny remembers it? Truth. If you say to me, has Rodney Norman ever performed at Broadway Comedy Club for you? Because I've run a lot of shows there. Uh-huh. To be honest, I have a lot of shows. I would say, Yeah. This is how how self-centered I am. I would say, Yeah, he came with his sons, it was a great time. <laughs> They had such a good time. I remember say, saying to myself, how cool is it that a guy's son comes to see him? And yeah, man, it was awesome. <laughs> That's how I remember oh, that, that night. But dude, that is what's wrong with me. <laughs> because well, to- that, But see, that was my last experience with you. Well, there was this other show. I remember one time, uh, I can't remember if it was before or after this, but there was this other time you had me come, you were doing a show somewhere in the middle of uh, Connecticut. <laughs> it was in the middle of the week, and we get there, the show's supposed to start at 9, but you didn't want to start because you had people coming. Oh, so yeah, no, we never start started at 10. Yeah, yeah, those shows, if it's at 9, 10, 15. It was 10 people, it was like 6 people, 6 of your friends that finally show up. Yeah, 10. <laughs> You get up there and do 45 minutes. Oh, I bet. And I'm like, and, and I'm I'm scheduled to go like last. And there's like and 12 then, other comics. And there's 12 other comics. And I Six just, of my friends, 12 comics. Yeah, so I, Can I tell I, the truth? I on a Tuesday? Early. I on was a trying t- to leave earlier. I got to tell you this. I was trying to leave earlier. You came up to me. But I had to wait. I was going to wait till you got off stage to tell you, hey, it's just too late. I'm going. I'm not going to stick around for this. I couldn't talk to you until 11 o'clock because you did 45 minutes, right? And then you brought up the first comment. Did I bring you up earlier? And then, no, I, then you come walking down and I'm trying to tell you, hey, I'm leaving. But you were Just talking, you got on your phone, I think it was, and started calling somebody. To get more people there. To try to get more people there. So I had to wait for you to finish your phone call. Because <laughs> you went One minute, Rodney. You kept, oh, just, just, yeah. just go. Just, just a minute. <laughs> Busiest guy in the world. Because I think at the time you thought I was just asking you to go up earlier. In fact, when I yeah and and no, I'll tell you what I was thinking after this because it's it's okay. similar to the first so, call. So um, so you finally get off the phone, and then you had to run up because yeah, the guy only did five minutes. So you ran back up, did another ten minutes, then brought up the next comic, and then you came down and I said, Vinny, I'm leaving. And you go, why, man? What's wrong? I go, it's 11 o'clock. It's too. It's just too late. And there's nobody here. And I'm not going to get up till midnight at this rate. Did I say you can cut the line? And you say, well, I'm going to put you up next. I, I'm just like, I'm just, just I'm just. Leaving. Did you leave? Yeah, I left. Oh, shit. I've left. Can I tell you what I remember about that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> this is funny. This is actually what we should just do for a whole hour. <laughs> All right. So I kind of remember. Where, when? I think it was La Luna in Brantford, but I could be mistaken. No, it was like, uh, it, it was more, because La Luna is more south. This was, this was north Canada. This was north, um, this was up by, I want to say it was close to Vernon. I mean, it was like a diner. Okay. Kind of thing. Wolkett. Yeah. Mona Lisa in Waterbury. And, it's an Italian restaurant. Alright, now I got yeah, the picture. And, yeah, and, uh, I remember you leaving that night now that you say it. Uh-huh. And this is how I thought back then. Truthfully. Uh-huh. I was running so many of these shows where one didn't matter to the next. Uh-huh. It just became about a paycheck. The comics don't give a shit. I get one new guy once in a while that'll bring 60 people. Yeah. And then the rest are just like you're fishing. Yeah. You catch seven fish, six have a disease, and one of them is your dinner. Right. And so that's how a scumbag thinks. So all I'm thinking is I just got to do so many of these shows, it should have worked out. Yeah. And so I would try to fit in guys like you where everybody's same rules. I also didn't want to have young comedians feel slighted. So same rules. During the week, shit, I didn't really pay anybody. 
You want to bring some people? Cool. If you don't, I never told anybody to go home. Mm-hmm. And there are people in this business like that, as you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who are probably bigger scumbags and afraid to admit it. Or just not as big of a scumbag, but still scumbag and afraid to admit it. And so I would think, like, all right, cool. If Rodney's there, it'll be funny. At least, like, his segment will be funny. So if I got ten guys on, I'm funny all the way through. Two of the ten are funny. People got their money's worth. Terrible way to think about a comedy show. But it's what I thought about because I'm just a scumbag. So we're doing this show, and I could remember the moment where you told me you're going home. And I'm thinking to myself, nobody cares what time they go up ever, because when you're a comedian, you understand it's late nights. You understand. You know what I mean? Like, I would yeah. take that kind of yeah. like, you want, you know what it is, you know, and mentality as a way to kind of like cop off and say, because right. I did deal with diva drama bullshit, you know? Yeah. But so I would outweigh it all. Like nothing mattered to me. None of you did. You know, <laughs> like honestly, if I could get 30 people somewhere for $20 each and make $600, I fucking loved you guys. And I well, bought everybody drinks. Well, also at this time, <laughs> I, I think part of it was I was like, I'm thinking, I, I don't think Vinny. I don't know you or your story. You yeah, know, like, like, like I how I remember you. Hands. First of all, when I met you, I was 18. And and Vinny with hair, skinny Vinny with hair, walking into uh-huh. Joker's Wild with a hundred of my friends coming to see me once a week. You couldn't tell me I wasn't a celebrity back then. Yeah. You couldn't tell me I wasn't the king of the mountain. You know, I fight Dave Moon. I'm doing, I'm killing it, man. I'm performing for black people, white people. I was actually, I'm probably on the top of my comedy game where people watch videos now and say I suck would probably back then love me as a comedian. I'm just a different uh-huh. person now. I looked at you as a guy with a camera who hung out at open mic at Jokes Wild, and I heard you left the state sometimes. Dude, I didn't know if you were an accountant, a teacher. <laughs> I didn't know if you did this once a week. I didn't know that you tra- – so when I got to know you in Tennessee is when I really said I love this guy. Uh-huh. And and did that make me think I don't want him to – no, actually, it didn't make me think I didn't want you to invest in my project because money is always my motive. It made me think I want to tell him the truth about it. Like I want him to know I'm risking it all, you know, and that's what it made me want to do. Not that I don't want to do that with everybody that gets involved. It's just that most of them don't understand the creative concept of taking a risk. Most people don't understand that concept. I mean, they'll literally give me money and not understand that they're taking a risk. They don't want to take a risk. And this business is all about risk, whether you're performing, you're on the business side of it. There's no guarantees in comedy. Mm-hmm. I've explained that to people. See, my character is like portrayed as this guy that's like, I'm going to make you a star. Daniel Sasso said that I took his want to be a celebrity <laughs> and molded it. Dude, he came to me saying, look, man, I literally can't get nothing besides a Pat Oates, Frank Mergallo bringer. Which that's another trick Pat does, as he has Frank Margallo do the bringer, and Pat keeps the money because Frank don't need it because he's an old retired man, and Pat doesn't have to say it's his bringer. Yeah. You know, it's the oldest trick in the book. It's called a Patsy. You're literally letting an old man take the fall so you could get $10 a ticket from the same retards you're telling I'm scamming. You know, it's like none of it really makes sense to me how people could justify how they talk bad about me. The only ones that can, I believe, are good guys like you. They're like, hey, man, you're an asshole. I waited till one o'clock in the morning with my boys and had to drive back from New York City. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of shit that I say people got real beefs with. But. And I just lost track of what I was talking about. This is all stemmed off a Jeffrey Epstein question, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, and I said to myself, like, I want Ronnie to know about it. And and with Daniel, even Daniel Sasso, and it has to be said because they brought him on the Loan Shark podcast. I did this Loan Shark podcast with Jim Sharkey. He's like an old Connecticut comic that just does radio now. He's got this co-host. Uh, I didn't even know he had a co-host. I thought it was Johnny Benson's podcast when they asked me to do it. So they bring me on the Lone Shark podcast. They get about 300 downloads a week. It's very small, very like on average, very small podcast. I guess they're close to 30,000 total downloads in 50 episodes. So that's really, that's not too bad. I guess yeah. it's under a thousand episodes. So they asked me to do the episode and they, and you know, very fair with me. The first episode, I thought it went really well. They got me to explain my story. Uh, they bring on Daniel Sasso on another episode and Daniel says how much he likes me. But that I stripped, I used his dream to take advantage of him. Here's a guy that didn't know a punchline 
if he fell off a roof and landed into it. And the guy's literally a roofer. I love Daniel, but he's never said a thing that's funny. And so what I tried to do with him was at Nomads, I wanted to create a show. He looked like a rock and roll music type guy. And I wanted to create a night for the bowlers and all the sports volleyball people at Nomads facility to have a comedy and rock type night where there's bands. Daniel hosts it. He can hone his craft as a comedian. So when Daniel put his money in, it was to help open the club, but it was also to establish something for himself, you know, like something he could build, he could promote, he could get people to. And it just never amounted to that. We were a month into it and the guy went to jail for a DUI. You know, and then like it just spiraled from there. His wife was harassing me for some of the money back when we didn't agree to get him the money back till after. I sent them over two thousand dollars in payments, and they tell everybody I never paid them a dollar, even though I have the receipts for it. You know, so it's like I I was fighting that battle with you. I was doing podcasts with you that got forty views. I'm trying to fight on the Lone Shark podcast about my name, and I just say I'm gonna go on the biggest platform I got. Come town, I'm gonna be myself. If this is what people really want to see and hear. I'm going to be myself, but I did contact people and say, look, I still want to make things right. My past mistakes. I'm just doing this radio show and being as honest as I can be because I don't want to have to keep making those mistakes. I kind of want to address it, move forward, see if people like the honesty, stick with the show. Maybe the show will be my way of making it back in the business. Maybe it won't. At least I'll feel better about that, you know, having to earn a couple bucks from the show to pay back my debt, that kind of shit. Like, that's what I want to do now. I don't want to bottle it all up, work a job at a Subway sandwich and pay somebody $12 a week until my debt's paid off. I can't do that. I got to be myself now, you know. Yeah. So I go on the Lone Shark podcast last night and they and, and Jim Sharkey's talking about and he never wanted me back on the podcast again after Daniel came up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then he tells me how much he loved the Scumbag Vinny episode. So call up and we'll ask you a couple questions. So they call up and they ask me about the fish concert tickets being phony and the cars being broken. And they're laughing and laughing. But the co-host, Sean, is not happy. He doesn't like me. He thinks I'm a scumbag. My name is Scumbag <laughs> Baby. Like, if you can't get more mad at the guy who's saying who he is. So Sean, this guy, he's a co-host. I don't know he's a co-host when I first go on the show. I think it's Johnny Benson, right? Yeah. Johnny Benson and Jim Sharkey. That's what I think. Yeah. So Jim Sharkey puts me on. He goes, yeah, the first episode I go on. He goes, yeah, I'm just sitting here with Sean. And I just go, who is Sean? And yeah. so I think that rubbed him the wrong way the first yeah. time. Because now Jim uses it as a drop in the show. Anytime Sean says something, he just plays me saying, who is Sean? You know? <laughs> So this guy, Sean's like, I'm not even going to say nothing when Vinny calls, blah, blah. So they call me last night. Me and Jim have a good laugh. Yeah. They pro- I promote my website. They cut out my website. Oh, really? It's the only thing they edit out of the podcast. www.thevinnybeetleshow.com. Go there for all your Vinny Beetle apparel. Stay tuned. September 13th and 14th, I'm filming my first ever comedy special in none other than Atlantic City, New Jersey. At the Atlantic City Jokes, acjokes.com theater. The Pier Playground behind Caesars Casino. That's right. I'm going to be doing an hour of storytelling about Bam Margera, Come Town, and all the crazy shit I've done, and Artie Lang. But back down to using that cheap plug, they took my pod, my, my website out of the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, just just the website. And and then Sean starts going into a riff after I hang up about how I've only coattail rided people, and I never made anything of myself, and I'll never make anything of myself. Meanwhile... The first episode I've done uh, was their number one most downloaded episode of all time at over a thousand view- downloads, mm-hmm. which is not much. Yeah. But if I'm already your number one episode and you don't want me on the show, you're not entertaining. And that's what I want the guy Sean to know. Like, you're riding Jim Sharkey's coattail. <laughs> yeah. Jim Sharkey, a guy who I like, I think he's very entertaining to yeah. listen to. I love Jim. And the only dull part about the show is when they take Sean's input in. Like, I listen to it, and then I hear him talk bad about me, and all I can think is, here's like a guy, like the Tom Gully show. There's a guy, Tom Gully, on Facebook. He has like 100 listeners on his Facebook show. And I did a radio show in New Haven. It's a uh, an urban radio show called The Raw Report. And this guy, Tom, is talking about how I'm a scam artist because he knows people in New Jersey that know me. And, yeah. And I shut the guy down. I started prank calling his podcast and just letting all the Town fans fuck with him and whoever wanted to. 
And so this guy, Sean, reminds me of that. He reminds, but I don't want to fuck up Jim Sharkey's radio show, you know, and they don't have open calling anyway, you know, like some radio shows do. But I think Sean just needs to understand that if he was having a bad day, he did mention on the show that he hadn't slept much in nine weeks. Take a nap, Sean. You know, take a nap. We get it. You're tired. You know, I'm scumbag Vinny. And I'm not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, it's the Jim Sharkey Lone Shark Podcast. And I'm pretty sure he's like explaining to the guy, well, I'm just trying to get some 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 download grabs, Sean. You don't mind, right? And he's got to explain that on air. Like, that's terrible radio. Of course, call the guy. Even if you hate him, good, call him. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Eventually, yeah. this show, we're going to have people call in. We'll schedule it. I hope they do. I think it's going to be the only thing that makes it a true authentic radio show. You know? Yeah. So... There's that. Lone Shark Podcast. Listen to it anywhere. Nobody's listening to podcasts. You can hear me on there. They just released the episode where I talk a little bit about the Comptown Podcast. Rodney, have you heard a little bit about this Popeye's chicken sandwich? Uh, yeah. Apparently it's uh, it's very tasty. Have you tasted it? hard to get. Um, <laughs> Apparently. I have not. I have not because uh, uh, I know there's a Popeye's around here. Well, so they, they stopped selling them, and I tried to get one, and, uh, you know, we didn't end up doing that. But one thing I did see today on WorldStarHipHop.com, my favorite website for watching Ratchet Ghetto Things, a guy pulled out a gun at a local Popeye's for them not having chicken sandwiches. And then a second video I seen is two employees squared up while on the clock. Squared up in urban terms, it means fighting. Yeah. So people are going crazy over these sandwiches. And I'd like to think if they're putting like maybe crack in it or something. I, I guess so. I, 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 all I know is nobody's ever pulled a gun at Chick Fil A. And that's true. And I've I've seen some reviews about Chick Fil A. People are saying the Chick Fil A sandwich is better. So maybe it's just marketing. Maybe you don't have to be good at all. Oh, Popeyes is riding a wave like you wouldn't believe right now. Right now, off of that, right? Yeah. Because they're selling out of everything. And I like Popeyes. I like Popeyes. What would you rank? Like, if you had to, you're like a guy who likes to uh, pride himself on protein and health. If you had to pick one fast food to binge on one place, what what place would it be? The wow. Um, well, my my favorite place is Fuddruckers. Fuddruckers. They have one at Foxwoods. Yeah. Yes. Oh, they do. They oh yeah. Foxwoods. Oh yeah. Fuddruckers. I always have to go up to Boston. Are you serious? They have one at Foxwoods. It's been there for years, right near where comics used to be. Oh, well, I'll have to yeah. go check it out. Yeah. There's a movie called Idiocracy. It's one of my favorite movies. It's about 3,000 years in the future, how stupid we all get. Mm-hmm. And they say that Fuddruckers turns into a place over time called Buttfuckers. <laughs> so if we keep going the way we are in America, your favorite place to eat is going to be a place called Buttfuckers. And I know that you wouldn't like that too much. But some of our listeners would. And I think that, uh, Rodney, I talk a lot. If anybody could sit here and listen to me, there's nobody that can do it like you. I've done it many times. It's going to slowly kill you. <laughs> Probably. Or bring you in the opposite very, direction. I'm a very patient person. Imagine if it was actually the thing that made you younger and healthier was listening to me talk about nonsense. <laughs> and you were just like, I don't want to do it. Just kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Well, hey, look. I think we're closing in on an hour here. Yeah, we're in an hour. And I wanted to thank everybody for listening in. Rodney, is there anything else you wanted to plug or talk about? Any places you're going to be? Any shows? Uh, well, I'm going to be at Nomads this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so, guys, go check out Rodney. What day is it? Uh, Friday night. Friday night. It's going to be the uh, 6th of September. Right, Friday this this Friday. Yeah. Go check out Rodney at Nomads Adventure Quest in South Windsor, Connecticut. It is the place that myself, Scumbag Vinny, opened a pop up scam comedy club where I convinced <laughs> T.J. Miller and Artie Lang to perform there for sold out audiences before I was inevitably thrown out for promising acts like Phase on Love, T.J. Miller and Artie Lang repeats. Uh, the list goes on and on, and I really got myself into a pickle with these people. But it's funny because this place single-handedly um, set me in a direction to work with Bam Margera. Like, I feel like if I didn't start to leave Nomads to go off with Artie, I would have never worked with Bam at all. So I got to thank Nomads. Thank you, Nomads. They're an official added sponsor of the show tonight since they paid me. 
uh, a large amount of money in the past. Go see Rodney's show, Nomads. If you go there and you guys mention Vinny Beetle at the door, you will be banned from the arcade. So please yes, don't do yes, that. And uh, like I said, if you guys want to check out my new website, we have a lot going to be added to there soon. But right now it's just a cash grab scam uh, t-shirt website. Okay. But we have the t-shirts being sent out. You could grab two of my favorites, either the Get Beetle Back to Disney shirt or the Scumbag Vinny shirt. And get tickets. Come see me in Atlantic City September 13th and 14th. I'm going to be shooting a special on September 10th. I'm going to be in Tuckahoe, New York at the famous Old Stone Tavern, uh, which I believe, is it called Old Stone? Let me see. Hold on. Gene DiNapoli from the famous Come Town episode with Bam. He also uh, is an Elvis impersonator. He took over this restaurant in New York, and uh, it's where Gordon Ramsay went with Kitchen Nightmares, and they said the food sucked. So make sure you come down and see me for $20. And they said you have to buy two drinks. It's not a comedy club. Guys, you're preparing for one of the worst Tuesday nights of your life. <laughs> Tuesday, September 10th, Tuckahoe, New York. Gene DiNapoli's going to make his first appearance live on stage. Rodney Norman's going to be there. I booked you oh, for yeah. that one. So yeah. that was one of those, uh, Rodney, you're going to close it out for me shows. Oh, yeah, well, let's film it, and we'll we'll do a podcast with Gene there. Mm-hmm. And then we'll we'll upload some extra content for some of these people. So, guys, that's it for the first episode of the Scum Town Podcast, aka the Vinny Beatles Show. Rodney, thank you very much for coming out. It was a pleasure. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Thanks again. Wake up to McDonald's breakfast duos. Get two for two dollars and mix and match a sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, and any size hot drip coffee for just two bucks. Or get more with two for four dollars and mix and match a sausage McMuffin with egg, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles, and any size hot drip coffee for just four bucks. Now that's a real breakfast. McDonald's breakfast duos make your morning tastier. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any combo meal. The big wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contract, ever. And keep the phone and number you love. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions.